It is our typical Sunday recording day with Paul and I. How you doing, girl? I'm doing all right. Mm. Aside from a little bit hungry, I'm, I'm doing good. She's like working me like a workhorse over here. That's right. This is what it's about. So I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I really think we should make a whole. Uh, my voice, my stupid voice accents, I think need to be little memes. Can we figure out how to do that? Can we hire someone? To- Let's learn how snippets. to make money on the on this before we hire another person. I mean, <laughs> All right, I'll make a snippet reel of yeah. my dumbass voices that I come out with. Well, and did you notice there's this thing that I do? It's like, oh, I yeah. did it. Like, what is that? <laughs> I know. You wanna you wanna like really learn about yourself? Listen, start a podcast. Start and, a freaking podcast and listen to your dumb voice for like hours on end. Yeah, and but not. I mean, hours voices are amazing. You should just continue to listen and share with your friends. Absolutely. <laughs> well, everybody loves it. It's us that are crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, if we say that's amazing one more time, unfollow. No, I'm just kidding. No, no unfollow. <laughs> Follow more. Follow more. But we are gonna try to stop saying it. I promise we're going to try. Not everything's amazing. Not everything is amazing. Yeah, but, but most stuff is. Anyway, you want to talk about the pearl in your oyster? Because, like, let's we're do spinning. it. We're spinning. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the pearl in my oyster this week was actually really cool. And it has to do with the podcast. Great. So we're, it actually is quite in alignment with this conversation. Okay. As we're rolling through this podcast, and I'm like, Jesus, who wants to listen to me for a hot sec? <laughs> and then I started getting these messages. I was actually interviewed on another podcast. It was a sports medicine podcast. And it, like, I have gotten messages from international, like Japan. I might have a new client in Japan right now, actually, wow. via this other podcast. And it was really cool. Like, people reaching out saying that in the dance world, no one's really talking about strength and conditioning. And blah, 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 no one really cares. But that was the pearl in my oyster. I was like, oh, shit, people give a shit. So that was nice. People definitely give a shit. People type. give a shit. So that was a great pearl in my oyster that that... That podcast that I was proud of actually reached some international beings out there. And yeah. I can, help, I can help some more dancers, which is the mish. Yeah. And hello. I mean, I've, we've been doing this now for a couple of weeks. We've put three episodes out there into the universe. And the the feedback has been quite It's been amazing. amazing. So <laughs> Actually, this is actually yeah, amazing. The feedback has been really cool. So we are really, really lucky, honestly, to have amazing support systems yeah. and the people that have had conversations with us. So I'm proud. All right. Well, this week, I'm going to tell a self-deprecating story about myself. Your pearl? All right, fine. Because it, it ended up being a pearl. I, I basically took the, the sand in my oyster and turned it into a pearl. Okay. Let us know. <laughs> so uh, this year, I was invited to a wonderful runway show. It's Fashion Week here in New York. And um, it's it's a show that I actually get in, I've got invited to a few times. I'm a, a good friend of the brand, and every year it's always very exciting for me to go. And it's it's actually my favorite designer, so love it. Um, I walk in, I'm excited, but I actually I also like I wasn't wearing the brand. I hadn't shopped honestly probably there in like a year, um, so I didn't have anything from the designer to wear. So I actually wore. Pretty dope outfit, if I do say so myself. And I was feeling good. And, you know, I walk in and I see all my friends and we're all catching up. And they're like, oh, where are you sitting? Where are you sitting? And they're all in, like, row B. And I'm like, oh... (laughs) I'm in row F. Oh my god! I'm like, it, it, I'm like, oh, it's it's just got to be on the other side. Like, 
for those of us that don't know, it goes in alphabetical order. <laughs> well, this one like did a little zigzaggy thing. So okay, fine. But this F was, was not prime. It, no. Okay. <laughs> it was not prime location. So, you know, my friends like, just, just stay here with us. Like, there's got to be another seat. And like, for me to be like, I do not like to act like I'm somebody that I'm not. I don't like to sit in somebody else's seat. I don't like to go to a party if I'm not invited. Like, if my name is on the list, I'm definitely not going. Like, it's just who I am. I'm not like, I'm not messing with that. So, so I, you know, I'm like, okay, so let me just, let me go see where the seat is just so I at least know where it is. So I have the girl take me like one of the women that is working at the event. I have her take me to the seat and it's like, it's basically like in the middle of Tribeca. It's oh, like, uh, yeah, nice. it's on the other side of the planet. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, what did oh. you do? I was just like, oh, okay. Thank you so much. Like, and then I'm like, I can't really sit here. Like this is it's just very far from all the people that I know. And I don't want to sit, stand here by myself, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> so I go back to my friends and uh, my girlfriend who is the ultimate G. She actually has a seat in the front row. Mm. And she's like, get over here. There's a seat behind me. Just sit in the seat. So I'm like, I don't, okay. So like I sit in the seat because I wasn't going to say no to her. She's bossy, right? Okay. <laughs> so now every time somebody like comes close to my area, my like whole butt clenches up because I'm like, oh my, oh my God. God, like I'm going to have to get up and it's going to be worst. so embarrassing. Somebody's going to be like, you're in my yeah, seat. My or no, they go like this. They go, this is my seat. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like having a whole moment like in my head and my girlfriend's like, I was like, oh my God, if I have to go to that other seat and cross the runway right now and pass both front rows, like this is going to be the most embarrassing thing of my life. Meanwhile, like now talking about it, I'm actually like, this is the dumbest story. <laughs> but okay. So anyway, New the York pearl living. in my oyster is basically that my friend is such a gangster mm. that she actually, where the show's about to start and she goes... I don't even want to sit in this front row. There was a seat next to me because nobody ended up coming. So I was able to sit in the second row. Yeah. So there was a seat next to me. She let me sit on the end. She gives away her front row seat and comes and sits with me in the second row. And she's like, it ain't all it's cracked out to be anyway, Paula. Don't worry about it. That is a woman. <laughs> it was amazing. So oh. the pearl in my oyster this week was just having her, you know, really bring me back down to earth for a second and remind me that like none of this matters and we're all important. <laughs> In our own ways. That. So it was it was just so cool to to see her do that and be like, I don't even want to sit in the front row. And like now that's gonna be like the tagline for the rest of my life. Like I don't even want to sit, sit in the, the front, front row. row. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No one cares. Exactly. So always blessed to be invited. You can put me wherever. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go sit with my friends in the front anyway. Amazing. <laughs> well, and on that note, yeah, it's it's a good pearl. Well, I'm really looking forward to getting to the episode this week. I think it's gonna be a good one. Same, let's bring it on. Let's go. Bye. Hello, everybody. We are here. And if you live in New York City and don't know Alexander Hankin, we are not sure that we can trust you. Also known as HRH, Alexander is a man about town, an international party boy, and an all-around good human. A true connector and lover of the arts, you can find HRH at any event around the world worth going to. He assisted with the launch and co-chairs Mad Luminaries Group for the Mad Museum, uh, which I'm a proud member of and it's where we actually met. He is a member of the board of Opera Philadelphia and sits on the young board of the Whitney and Serpentine. 
He is also actively involved in the Guggenheim Young Acquisitions Committee and is the vice chair of social media for the JNF. And if that wasn't enough for you, he also writes for Guest of a Guest, Quest Magazine, and Philadelphia Style Magazine, where he focuses on art, but lately has been writing pieces centered around more difficult topics such as anti-Semitism. The thing I love most about Alexander is that not only can he roast you on politics and humanity, but he can also shoot the shit about the housewives and almost every Bravo liberty for hours. Lovers, I am so excited to introduce you to Alexander Hankin. Welcome to the podcast, Alexander. How are you? I'm I'm so happy to be here. Hi. Hi. We're so grateful Monica to have you Paul, on. Monica Paul, I can't believe I'm here with you guys. Uh, and it's a Sunday and we're all happy and excited and dressed well and we look beautiful. I That's mean, nice. I had to show up for you guys. You look fabulous. I was just right. going to say, like, let's face it, you look a lot better than <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But anyway, um, we are so excited to have you here. Um, I think that it's... It's going to be an amazing conversation because too much, much of New York City, I feel like Alexander Hankin is this like elusive guy. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody has asked me, Paula, what does your friend Alexander Hankin do? I would be a rich girl. I might even be able to sit on the board at some of these, you know, institutions. So. Myself included after I first <laughs> met you. Yeah, he's, he's a mystery. He's a, an international man of mystery. So, you know, I would love to kind of start at the beginning and um, I would love to, because I actually don't really know. I would love to know, you know, where you grew up, how you got into the arts, um, you know, at what point you moved into New York City, and most important, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis with your family? Because I know you do work in the family business, so run us through everything. Oh, my God, you're really having me pull back the, the velvet curtain as it is, right? I, I, I'm now not, people are going to actually know what I do. Well, good thing this is going to be one of the first episodes, so we probably won't have that many listeners. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> no, you, everyone better listen to this. Everybody better listen. <laughs> <laughs> so present yourself, darling. Uh, so I'm Alexander Mason Hankin, and I, I hail from a little village called Irwinna, Pennsylvania. Um, I think the population's like 1,500 people now. Wow. Wait, so how many people did you go to high school with? Well, I went to private school, so it was like... Different? Of course you did. 120 in my graduating class okay oh wait that's still very small yeah yes. no 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 no. i mean it's the, uh, it was the oldest non-sectarian school in the country non-religious oh wow yeah. got it got it but that was like an hour away okay was so. it a boarding school no it was a day school but got um it. they were all anti-semitic <laughs> oh amazing <laughs> <laughs> you had early training. So, so we're going to have a thread, a common thread. <laughs> Shout out to Germantown Academy. There we go. So you attended, so you grew up in this small town and then? So I grew, I grew up in Bucks County, but um, most weekends we actually came into Manhattan. My mom was, um, you know, my parents are big lovers of the arts. So we went either the theater or um, museums. We, uh, when I was like really younger, we always like did once a month, we went to the plaza or the Carlisle and, I think there was a point where I saw every play that was on Broadway, especially in high school. Like my mom, every weekend we would see Very cool. something on Saturday. Um, but my parents are, 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 were really big, you know, uh, philanthropists. And in Bucks County, there's this museum, the Michener Museum of Art, and my parents helped to establish that museum. Um, and it has a really great collection of uh, Bucks County Impressionist art, which is beautiful landscapes bridges and snowfalls. My parents have this amazing collection in our home. And um, I think it's really because of them that I got so involved in the arts. I mean, I know it's because of them. I don't even think. 
I, I took one art history class in college, which I think most people would be surprised to know. Um, and then I, I went to GW. I studied, uh, double majored in political science and history. And then I went to Rutgers for law school. And then I started working with my dad in 2013. And my sister had already been in the business. My family business is real estate development. We mostly do industrial real estate, but we also have um, a single family home development in Bucks County and a townhouse development in Harrisburg. And then I was a little bored. So I got a legal master's in real estate development law cool. a couple years ago. As people do, you know, yeah. when they're just <laughs> bored. <laughs> So my, my day-to-day is, is I do sort of the legal business operations side of our business. I write all of our leases. I review all of our contracts. Um, and that's really where I focus on in the business. And I deal with uh, our tenants. So I, I deal on the leasing side. And um, sometimes we sell buildings. So on the sales side as well. That's interesting. Okay. So I had no idea that you were involved in the legal aspects <laughs> of the business. I thought maybe you were, I, you know what? I don't know. People, when they say real estate development, I don't know. You might as well be like, in construction. I never know exactly what that means. So I now can envision you sitting at that desk with like a big, beautiful pen, you know, going over the, the emeritus. <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only legal term I know. And I'm, I'm not too sure that I said it right. Um, no, it's, it's funny because like I got in a fight with someone, um, the other day, uh, because Alec Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter and someone's like, this is uh-huh. bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't charge him with that. I was like, well, he was charged. He wasn't convicted and involuntary manslaughter is without intent to right. kill. So yeah, that's what you would be charged with if you fired a gun and thought it wasn't a real gun and you killed someone. Yes, it's involuntary manslaughter and that's what you would be charged with, not convicted with. And he's like, how do you know this? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm actually a lawyer. So yeah, yeah I'm going to win this <laughs> argument. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you like are an editor. I don't. Yeah. And this is, this is why we love Alexander <laughs> Hankin. And it makes sense too, because I truly feel like lawyers have an sh- extreme analytical mindset. So, and you start to, you have to look at all angles. So the lawyer mind and then the artistic mind do blend together. And that's where the create, I believe that we're all creatives, but that's where I can see like your creative outlets cross each other in the, in the academic route, I would say, and yeah. then the artistic route. So have you felt that how do you feel that that's kind of transitioned into the next step of, of your life? I, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I think, I think it really happened that in law school, it's so intense and I didn't, I didn't love law school. Um, where I went was really focused on um, like public policy and criminal justice. So that wasn't really what I knew that I was going into. So I really needed this look. It was looking for, you know, a, a different type of community and a, and a creative outlet. And I, I first got involved with the friend, the young friends of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Um, and it just was sort of a release from law school, uh, you know. Um, and then it really just became kind of what I'm super passionate about. Um, and then it's, it's really evolved from like, you know, when I was younger, I loved to go out and I partied. And then it kind of was taking that aspect and, you know, okay, partying for a different cause. And now it's kind of like, I realize I love connecting with artists and I love connecting people. And um, that's kind of where I think I am now with it is, you know, being able to connect the next generation of arts patrons with the next generation of great artists. 
Yeah. So let's just discuss for a couple of minutes, just because you are in the family business and, you know, you are involved with these incredible causes and you have to go al- out a lot, um, you know. So is it expected that, you know, after a big party like the the Whitney Art Party that's coming up, do you have to be in the office the next day or is your dad like, or, or dad and mom, I don't know who exactly you have to, re- I don't know the reporting structure, but, you know, is it expected that you get there on time or is it kind of like we understand that Alexander is out there you know, and I think that even if you are supporting the arts, you're still being a representation of your family while you're out there. So I'd just be interested to know, like, what's that expectation like? No, I need to be in the office the next day. Wow, dad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And by the and, way. And I'm up at 530. This is what go, I'm saying. And that's the and, office. And, I do, But you know what? I don't drink at these events. And I think that that's a big thing. Um, or, you know, if I have, I'll hold a glass of champagne and I'll have it the whole night or just keep switching it out because... I really like to be sharp and in the right mindset. And, you know, to me, it is an extension of the business and I'm representing myself in a certain way. So I don't think getting drunk is is appropriate in these situations. So I'm very mindful of that. Um, Very. And, you know, it, it is, it's work. And then, you know, the next day I still have to get up. I have a job and that job supports me being able to support these institutions. So yeah, it's all kind of hand in hand. I had no idea that you actually didn't drink in, in at these events. I thought that you were, you know, slamming them back with everybody else. No. Which totally makes sense yeah. because you're, I mean, you're always on on point. Nine times out of ten, you have to do like a panel at them anyway. So, um, you know, but us as well. I mean, I actually stopped drinking almost two years ago. And I can speak firsthand about what that experience is like and how much better that that has, it's, it's just elevated my life in so many ways, especially in all of these different social circumstances where I feel that I've met and connected with so many incredible people that have really helped propel me in my life and in my career. And I think that if I was drinking, it would be like a completely different social experience for me. So, um, well, I commend you for doing that. And now I see that why you have a little bit more energy. <laughs> I was always like, oh my God, I don't know how he does it. Like I'm sober and I'm tired. <laughs> and it's the Trenta cold brew that I start my day with. You know, you gotta like, once you go Trenta, you can't go back. So you just... So you're just buzzing from the morning and then got it. And so then it just teeters down and scales down as the day goes on. I'd love to take a couple of minutes and talk about the luminaries because I know that this is something that is so important to you. It's also something that's very important to me. It's, you know, one of the things that I feel really connected me to the New York City art scene and really it really opened the doors for me into this whole new world. Um, so I would love for you to kind of educate the people about what that program program is, how you came to that program, um, and also how they can get involved if this is something that they're looking to get involved in. Yeah, so Mad Luminaries is the young patrons group for the Museum of Art and Design. Um, and for those who haven't been, uh, it's, it's a really unique museum because it's a wide range of what, show, but it it tends to be more craft oriented. Um, You know, we have had great furniture exhibitions. We've recently had garmenting, uh, queer maximalism with machine dazzle is up right now. Um, So good, by the way, everybody should go see it. We have the Haas brothers coming up, which, you know, Simon and Nikki are two friends of mine and they're just amazing. Um, So they, a number of years ago, I guess this was 2018, were looking to relaunch their Young Patrons program and um, Justin Connor from Third Eye, who was their publicist at the time, and still and still kind of is, uh, 
asked me if this is something I wanted to do. And um, to get to start something from the ground up is a really rare opportunity in Manhattan. Um, so, you know, they gave me a lot of leeway and I, I just reached out to my friends through different organizations. Um, I, Christina Senia, who is a good friend of mine, and we met through Save Venice. She came on as a co-chair, Timo Weiland, who's been a great friend of mine for years. He came on as a co-chair and then we built out our committee. Um, a lot of friends who weren't involved in the arts and kind of looking for a leadership role. And we had this huge launch event in fall 2019. And then we had our first like real luminaries event in February of 2020. And then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And we instantly were like, let's go online. I was like, let's find out what artists are doing. Let's kind of create this little talk show. So we, we started doing Luminaries Live. And I think for about, until about the fall, we did about 50 interviews. And I literally just opened my Rolodex of creatives. And, um, you know, we had on Zoe Buckman and Ashley Longshore and Brendan Fernandez and Emmanuel Tarpin and um, Cynthia Raleigh and just so many people. And it was so interesting to hear about their process and what they're creating and what they're working on. Um, and it was great because it got, gave people an opportunity to connect with artists, even though we couldn't connect. And that's really what I wanted to build the program out on is connecting with artists. And um, Chantal Martin joined our committee and the Hobbs brothers joined our committee. And um, Wes Adderhold just joined our committee, which is really exciting. Uh, I think he's the next George Condo. So, wow, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard people. it here first. Go uh, buy his uh, art. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, that, I mean, it's just I wanted to create something special. And I mean, you've been to our events. It's not just okay. Here's a tour of the exhibition. You know, we that's part of it because being uh, at the patron level, you get access to those things. But our programming is so centered on interacting with artists. Yeah, which is something that's so special and, and it's very unique. And I, I found that somebody who kind of emerged into this world a little bit later in life, it, it all felt very approachable. And everybody that is a part of this organization, I feel like is just incredibly down to earth and, and makes art feel like it's something that is attainable and everybody should definitely support. All right. Well, let's move into kind of social media because I feel like this has also become a big part of your life and, you know, you have a quite a big following. So would love to know, you know, when that started for you and why do you think people are so interested in tuning into your life? I, I think because I walk that line well of self-deprecation and being obnoxious. So... I'm in on the joke, right? <laughs> very like, self-aware. Like I'm very self-aware and like sometimes I like put something out there and I'm like, ha ha, slam my phone down. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm very self-aware and I think people are a bit just confused by me. Um, 
I, what, what I, I think I keep people in a state of, what is it called? Like hyper-realization where it's like just chaos. And like, <laughs> well, like I said, you're like a big mystery to everybody. Yeah, you right. know, they're like, who is this mysterious man? So like and he no, puts it all out there for the most part. <laughs> I put, I put a very, you know, people are like, well, I don't ever see you working. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't have time to like, I'm doing a contract. And it's also like, no, that's like confidential stuff. I'm not putting that on. Instagram. No one wants to see that. No and no one wants it. to see that. My office is like a, a chaotic mess of papers. And right. that's not interesting. How do you deal with the haters, actually? It's a, it's a great oh, segue. Good question. Yeah. Um, I don't really care what you think about me. I only care what my parents think. So what you think is not really relevant to me. It's actually so incredible. But like, I'm deathly afraid of my parents. As we all should be, for sure. So let's, uh, you know, I also want to talk a little bit about um, the way that you use your platform, because I think th that the way that you use your platform is actually quite beautiful. Aside from the funny things that you put out there, you do also use your time to speak up about things that are important to you and things that, you know, might be taboo. And, uh, you know, when did you decide to start using your platform in that way? And do you feel that this is something that like it's making an impact or do you feel that sometimes it's just, it's just not even worth it because it falls on deaf, deaf ears. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's interesting question because I think when I started writing um, for publications, I think that that's when I realized like my words have more meaning than just, you know, shouting into the void on social media. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I write, on things and like kind of in a cheeky way. And I, I like that I can write my own voice. Um, but you know, anti-Semitism is on the rise and it's, it's a big issue and it's one that directly affects me. And it's something that I've faced in my own life. So I think, you know, if one person reads it and understands, well, then that's one less person that hates Jews or yeah. maybe marginally likes Jews better. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> we have to link to the most recent article that you wrote because to me it moved me and I had to tell you I thought, I thought it was fantastic and it was well written and it was written for the public it wasn't written and it was an an all-inclusive you know, yeah. right and it was a very all-inclusive and it and would hit all age ranges as well so it was really well written and we definitely will link that in the show notes and for you do you feel like was that one of the first pieces that you wrote for the public that was a little bit more intense or that was more close to home and not and not pop culture or had you you know kind of started to transition to that before I mean I've definitely spoken that but in like a Jewish realm and I think that it was in that week with like Kanye West and then he went to to Mar-a-Lago and everyone was screaming about this and that and I gotten I gotten had had gotten in a um fight the night before with a friend who was like not Jewish and trying to make it about all these things. And then was like, and go out and vote. And I was like, this has nothing like, don't use like my struggle for like a, a voting campaign because right. it's like, it's not a left or right issue. I mean, you have it on both sides, unfortunately. So I, I just sat down and was like, I want to write something very clear that anyone can understand. And I don't want it to necessarily be for, you know, I'm not, I don't want it to be preaching to the choir. I want it to be something that people who don't understand what anti-Semitism is and why, you know, it's important. And I think to stand up and to say something, because I think it's, it's a lot of people think, well, you know, Jews are successful people, so we don't need to say anything. But it's like, that's a small portion of 
a small portion of what understanding that we're this tiny, tiny population, but the, the hate that we face is so grossly astronomically in disproportionate um, to any other group is really crazy. Um, and to know that it's not going on in rural America, it's going on very much in cities like New York and London and LA. Um, so I really just, I wanted to say something concise and not be emotional or point blame or, you know, it's not this new thing. Right. No, it's not (laughs) this new thing. Um, so I, that's really what I wanted to convey is just like, your Jewish friends need you and you standing up for every other cause isn't sitting well with me. Well, thank you for being the change in the world. So not only can you go to Alexander's page for like caviar, champagne, fashion, (laughs) art, but you know, you're also going to, you're going to get schooled. You're going to learn a little bit. So we love you for that. Um, I just want to say what I don't always share is like my love of fast food. I am a garbage person at at heart. So it's like (gasps) caviar and a Big Mac. No, you don't. (laughs) That's fabulous. My mom only fed us McDonald's for like, she's going to kill me for saying this. Oh, McDonald's for like the first five years because she would just like feed us anything just to shut us up. What's your order? Yeah. Like I love, I like, I love a Big Mac. Got it. I don't even know that I've had. What's a your Big order? Mac. We roll up to the window. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, say, a, like, a, like a like a like a. I think a Big Mac's a number one. I think it is a number one. So it's a number one diet coke and fries. Like that's like what I want. Got it. Oh my god, I love a diet coke. <laughs> I will say, I love a diet coke from fast food restaurant with like the ice, the whole thing. Well, it's they have better carbonation. Yeah. I actually have a question for you. Like, as far as manifestation goes, I love to hear the story of something that you set your eyes on so long ago or even in a short period of time and then achieving that and what it felt like actually coming to fruition. If you have one, like, pop story you can tell us. Oh, I mean, I guess like it's kind of like a global story. I mean, I I always wanted to live in New York and live, like, you know, like, wanted to have, like, this great life. And, you know, it was, like, something so not my parents (laughs) were like, what? Tell everybody so about your great. farm too, because oh, we okay. should probably touch on that. And then because it's, oh, yeah. it's relevant. Okay. So I like in our small town, I grew up and, you know, I split my time between New York and Bucks County, which is, which is my primary residence. Um, I grew up on a farm and, you know, grew up with animals and tractors and a hayloft and being allergic to everything. Um, but it's, I mean, it's gorgeous. But, you know, now we have, my sister lives um, there and it's really like her menagerie of animals. We have alpacas and a miniature horse named Danny DeVito and a miniature donkey named Don Quixote. I love Don Quixote? Yeah. I never, I didn't know about Don Quixote. Uh, and goats <laughs> named Shlemiel and Shlemazel. <gasps> the, and, best. <laughs> the best. And emus, and emus named Dunkin' Donut. So I, I always kind of wanted to be like in the center of things and a tastemaker and whatever. And this was in the nineties and the early aughts. And, mm-hmm. and now I'm here. And like, when I'm like, still when I get like personal coverage, not me writing, I'm just like, so wild. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. Like you, what was the most recent one? that The I just New York saw magazine. The New York thing. magazine. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, <it's> so, like <laughs> literally going into a CVS. Well, first I had to figure out where they still sell magazines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's tough, honestly. <laughs> but after like the seventeenth store, and then finding it, and I was like, oh my god, that's me. That's like me in print. Those are my words, and it's so. It's so surreal. Where did they grab the quote from? Like, no, they they, they were interviewing people they, at the party. They or? no, they interviewed you afterwards. So they called me and they asked me all these questions, and then they they called. So they, I got a fact checker to call, and they were like, "Okay, so we just want to fact check the fact that your favorite moment of the party was when Julie Macklow was dancing on stage and Ramona Singer was." drinking out of a magnum of Ace of Spades. Amazing. And I was like, I love that this is what's being fact-checked, but yes, that was my favorite <laughs> moment of the night. Do you need a photo? <laughs> because I have one. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. So, like, it's, it's so surreal. And every time it happens, like I never, anytime it happens or I get invited to things, I never take it for granted and never take anything for granted and never yeah. be like, oh, like whatever. Like I'm so over this stuff. Because it can all stop. You know, 100%. You, it can all stop tomorrow. And if it did all stop tomorrow, like that would be fine. But I'd be like, wow, I had some great memories. No matter how many cool things I get invited to, like for me, I always still have the excitement of like, it's the first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. I think it's important <laughs> for people to hear that because we can get bogged down in the day to day. I know. And it's just like, anytime I see like my photo and something, I get so excited. I'm just like, Oh, good. I love and I like that. call my mom and I'm just like, look. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. I, I do the same thing. I'm not going to lie. Um, but no, I think that, and that's, it's so beautiful. You said that so well. And I think that, you know, all of us in New York and we all get caught up in the rat race and it is important to sometimes feel important. And I love that you still get excited and giddy over these things. So I'm manifesting for you to have more press coverage in 2023. It's well-deserved. <laughs> well it's well-deserved, especially for someone that does spend so much time socializing. Um, I, lo I love, I've loved to watch you shine. Oh, I mean, I, it's, it's nice. And I, but I love seeing my friends shine and I'm so excited <laughs> for the both of you doing mm. this podcast. And I think, I can say anything is like be your biggest cheerleader like you've got to believe in yourself right and I know people what does RuPaul say it's like if you, you don't love, love yourself, yourself how the hell are you gonna love somebody else can I get an amen up in here <laughs> <laughs> okay yes so Paula said it best yes well done well I think that that's just the perfect way to close this out we like to wrap our shows up with a couple of quick fire questions. Oh, I love quick fire. Um, okay, so great. The first one is, what are the three things that you think most about every single day? Oh, um, are my parents okay? Um, oh, God, the three things I think I, I need to work out. Uh, and I guess, like, do I have to do anything tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, in the most grateful voice. In the yeah. most grateful voice, but like sometimes I'm just like, oh. Honestly, same. Uh, okay. It's more the dinners, like. I told you, same, yeah. <laughs> oh, you have to prepare. If you had a warning label, what would yours say? Does not shut up. <laughs> okay. What is one thing that you would never do again? Law school. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Do you keep uh, that's not that's actually not even true. Like I probably would go back and get another LLM. So okay. Do you All keep right. kosher? No. How do you take your oysters? Like I don't, I go back and forth with oysters, but I I, I need a little mignonette. 
And it has been so fun to have you. We love you so much. And thank you so much for I supporting us. I love both us. of you. Thank and you I'm so, so I'm so proud of you guys. Thank, thank you. you. We thank are so you. grateful, darling. We love you. Over and out. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. If you love what you're listening to, be sure to like, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at World's Your Oyster. And share this episode with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Bye-bye.